This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brown. What's up? Nothing. Just on a crazy high. (laughs) (laughs) We're feeling like a bajillion dollars. A bajillion and five dollars. Woo. Yeah. Going big. Going big. We had a successful presentation at Upstate Social Sessions 2018. Rochester, NY. Riding. Hi. Yes. Still. And obviously our structure remains the same. We will talk about our updates and our inspiration, but <laughs> that was a big deal and I'm excited for us. And it it, it feeds into the d- discussion that we're having today. So we'll save that for later. Stay tuned. <laughs> so uh, what's your update this week, Brom? Oh, you know, uh, just feeling like I, especially after the episode that we did mm-hmm. um, the previous week about letting go of fear and talking a little bit about mental health and assessing my levels of anxiety. As we continue to do. And so I think I've I've realized that I need to do a better job of managing it, sure. especially considering I'm at like a full speed ahead on every cylinder in the Brianna vehicle right now. Which for like normal people is a lot. For you... That's like a thousand miles an hour. I'm like on a racetrack. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So um, I'm having a tough time because I, when there's like little spikes of stuff, I'm good at managing that. Mm -hmm. When everything's going full speed ahead, that's when I think it hits me the worst. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working on a new plan. Good. TBD. It's, it's so funny because when you talk about like how you're doing, even if you're like well beyond a 10, your voice is still so even. Yeah. <laughs> like even, even when you're experiencing like the highest <laughs> levels of breakdown, it's still like, well, I'm not okay. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> if only you could hear me sobbing in my bedroom. <laughs> That's a solo mission. <laughs> um, JK, but not really. <laughs> Um, no, so I'm trying to find ways to, because I think we briefly talked about this when we were hanging out socially, that I feel like what I need is a full day of just me time. And it's really hard to do that as an adult. And so I need to really take better advantage of the free moments that I have and savor them. And I think being present in my feeling of anxiousness and recognizing that i think doing a better job of the recognizing will help me not lose it Mm -hmm. um and so i think one of the things that i have done in the past that works but i'm not doing it consistently is journaling and meditating when i have all the thoughts that are ruminating in my brain and then also like it's the breathing and when i can feel it because the first thing that comes is the heart palpitations so and I, it's like a tightness in my chest. And so it's like, okay, I need to actively be breathing more deeply. Right. Because I think I'm like just focused on, I need to get everything done. So let me just move from one thing to the next. And the best thing I could do for myself is to, to take a breather mm-hmm. and give myself an hour. So at I'm, least yeah. I'm just trying not to overbook myself at this point. Saying no to things. Your face, no one can see your face except for me. <laughs> but it is it is very much like, I'm going to take an hour. And like, it's that like, just controlled Brianna style. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is I read somewhere that it is important to take breathers in the middle of the week versus just like on a Monday or a Friday, because then it flows into your like weekend and it becomes a different type of breather. Like I think of a, a vacation Friday, Monday, but when I just really, That's my brain a needs a break, it needs to be 
during the actual work week. Mm -hmm. So I can treat it like a task that needs to be completed. So it's not like, not to overload your plate, but to say like, I need to take a day. It is an intentional mental health day. It will not flow into my weekend. It will not like upset my weekend plans or treat it as a vacation day and like do nothing. But it is an effort and an intentional like piece that I am going to take a mental health day and do what I need to do. That's a good tip. I think you should take it. You should probably implement that. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Start starting immediately. Yeah. I think that's important. All right. What about you? Taking tips. Um, so I realize now that I'm reading this through that my my update is on the total opposite side of, of yours. Hey, this is what we want in life is people to be embracing their lives. I'm going to be better soon. Yes, you sure will. I'm yes. just a little crazy right now. And we're working on it. And I, you know what I also just thought of is instead of asking you what you need, I'm just going to assume what I that I know what you need. And I'm just going to start giving it to you. Space. Yes, but also check in texts. That's true. <laughs> Be like, have you breathed t- today? Yeah. <laughs> have you taken a moment for yourself? Take five minutes. Yes. And I think like that's what people keep saying, right? Is that like stop asking people what they need. If you know them in any capacity or if you're just a human, you can just send something. Be like, I'm thinking about you right now. Exactly. Like just a check in is is just fine. So you'll be getting those shortly. Cool. Within the hour. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So my update is around hobbies and fun. Yay! (laughs) So on the prioritization score update, um, one of those quadrants is hobbies and fun. And I realized that was the one that I was like not neglecting, but not giving as much like airtime to, I guess. And so one of the things I had put in that quadrant was I want to do like more new restaurant slash like food experiences like on a monthly basis. So like once a month... I really like food. I really like new and different things that we can do either in the community or outside the community. And so this uh, month, I'm going to one of my favorite places for dinner that's right in town. Shout out to Relish, which is where we also celebrated your 30th birthday. And they did an absolutely phenomenal job. And while we've been there before, and it is one of our favorite places to go, I think why I can put it in this quadrant is that like they just changed over their menu they always are surprising us with something new and I think they just have a great way of like making it feel different every time you go and so we don't go there too often but um but it is one of they just do everything just at a 10 I mean they're just fantastic people so um it's our it's our date night and we usually do breakfast together on the weekends which I really enjoy but this is like a chance to get some nice clothes on have it be an evening have it be a dinner and like just enjoy it so that is the, is this uh, a weekend date night or a weekday weekday Ooh, I'm a that's fan of the weekday fun yes it's like a good thing to look forward to after a really long work day um, and so we get to go soon and I'm going to like really enjoy it. I've honestly, like we made the reservations probably a week and a half ago because this is like the first time, you know, like where we're at and <laughs> with everything and like w- nights are just hard to find. Yes. And I like to have my weekends like totally free. I don't like to have like a set expectation for anything on my weekend. So I was like, well, I'll be available in two weeks for that. <laughs> and, uh, that was a fluke because it just turns out that my class is online this week. So, <gasps> so I'm fully taking advantage of that. Um, so, yeah, that's my update. So tomorrow. Yes. Oh. Exactly. Very excited. Well, I'll, I'll post I can't all wait. about it. Yeah, I want to see. I want you to send pics because I'll live vicariously through your food photos until I can have my next date night. Yes. I've also overextended my budget this month, so... So there's only like a week and a half left? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> November restarts it all. Yes. And I always make the mistake of spending a lot right in the beginning. <laughs> yep. Same season. Because I get so excited about it. <laughs> um, but I think that that is a necessary and important thing for you to be thinking about what excites you and to also plan ahead mm-hmm. for these moments of like, I know that I'm going to want this and also look forward to this if we have it set on the calendar. Exactly. So I've been like texting Doug like on a daily basis, even though I also see him in person. But every day I'm like, oh my God, day day so soon. <laughs> I get very excited. You're cute. So... 
Um, what's inspiring you this week, Bron? So in the essence of what I was sharing before, I got a very timely email. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they know. From uh, Zen Habits, Leo Babuda. Hmm. I think that's how you say his name. Okay. Um, He's great. He does lots of, like, Zen, mindfulness, that kind of thing. His It's just the way that he talks about things is a lot of, like, kind of inspired letting go fear. Mm. He's done topics on that as well. Um, but he wrote an article on paring down your life. Wow. And oh. I tend to get caught up in that feeling of let's do more, be more, try more, add more. Just <laughs> like, more in general. I feel like that's necessary to like be successful and I think it's like this crazy world that we live in that that pressure is something that is seemingly existing busyness is valued yeah and so i need to shake that a little bit um but he spoke about when or wrote about when we feel fulfilled we focus on what truly matters and so what are the things that are essential to you in your life if you only think about the bare minimum right in a positive way and so um he talks about defining the few things that you need and want to do every day and what would those things be hmm do less, number one. Huh. So <laughs> you're like, huh, I don't know. <laughs> and I like this quote at the end that said, uh, paring down asks you to let go of attachments, let go of rationalizing, let go of fixed beliefs, and see what's possible once you do let go. That's like very powerful. Yeah. That's very powerful. And so he wrote a list of his own personal six things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could do that. Where it's like, in order for me to get my job done, these are this is what I need to do on a daily basis. And then, like you with your prioritization square, mm-hmm. what are the core things that make me feel the most happier, most fulfilled, or these are essential for me to be a human? Mm-hmm. And then just for me to be a human, readjust everything that I do and the time and energy I put into things around those few things. I really like that, and I can see how your, like, update and what you're going to, like, consciously add back into your flow of Mm -hmm. your day will help you figure out what those things are and how you will do them using those tools, Mm -hmm. right? Does that make sense? Yes. Is that a thing you're going to do? Yes. Okay. (laughs) But I like that because, it like, I, I really like that quote because... I think it's really easy to just say, like, I'm going to pare down. Like, I'm just going to, like, walk away from some things. But it doesn't get to, like, the heart of why we fill our plates as much as we do or what, like, pressure we're feeling to do more on such a regular basis. But, like, especially that rationalization thing feels like it hits very close to home. Like, I need to, like, give someone a reason for everything that I do. And even if it's me needing to take time for myself, I need to show someone why I need to do that by getting to the burnout point. Yep. And that's just not right or good or any kind of... Um, Healthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> any kind of, like, forward movement that does not support <laughs> that in any way. Yeah, so, so I will let you know what... Uh, what I learned from this experience. Great. Because I think it will be helpful. I'm going to task you with making that your update next week. Will do. Because like my 21 day habit, I had to do it every day. So maybe on a weekly basis, then we can come back and and see how we're doing. Perf. Awesome. What's yours? Okay. So I actually, you know how like I sometimes have a hard time coming up with an inspiration This week, I had no problem coming up with an inspiration. I actually had an abundant of things that were inspiring me this week. It was very difficult to choose just one, which meant that I now have a backlog of inspiring things that I'll be sharing over the next probably like six (laughs) weeks at this point. So this week, Will Smith's YouTube channel 
is what's inspiring me. It's the hottest thing on the internet right now. I didn't realize how hot it was. I like didn't give it, I mean, I saw the clips about it. I heard the people were excited about it, but then I actually watched it. And like, firstly, the camera work is pretty insane. Secondly, like his whole thing is like everything great is on the other side of fear, which is why I was so excited about the whole thing is because I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what we just talked about Mm -hmm. last week was fear and how to let go of it and all that stuff. But like, it's true that anything that you want to do is on the other side of what you're afraid of doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? You're not going to learn anything if you're in your comfort zone. Right. And like for him, it's like bungee jumping off of a helicopter. Adrenaline junkie. Not my thing. Not the thing I'm going to do. But what I will do is look at what my fear is and figure out like how I push through that. But I thought that like it was just really exciting to watch him and like see him be so scared to do the things that he was about to do, but then ultimately go through with it every time. And I don't know if it was because like he knows he has a crazy audience paying attention to what he does or if it's also like a personal mission for him to like complete these tasks because he really truly believes like any any place that I want to get to in my life is on the other side of this obstacle and I'm going to do it so and especially after 50 yeah like, like you're you're living the dream and holy toleets that man looks good like <laughs> he looks good <laughs> Hot dad alert. It is, like, crazy to me. I mean, him and Jada, just power couple all day. But then, like, to see his kids and these trips that he brings, like, the whole family on. And I know it's, like, way above anything that I'll do in my life. But gosh dang it. It's just very inspiring. Yeah. And I love his relationship advice and the fact that he gets real. Oh, yeah. That was one of yours at one point, Mm -hmm. probably like a couple months ago at this point. You know, I want to, I just want to see someone living their life and share, dropping some knowledge. But I think he, his perspective is, uh, it's real. It's very valuable. (laughs) And like, he's such a hard worker, too. And I think that's the other thing that, like, I buy into his brand because it's not just like these fun, crazy videos where he's doing these crazy things. It's like he worked so hard to get to where he is. And there was one video that we watched where it was him and his son doing like they were rapping one of his new songs, The Sons. What's his name? Jaden? Jaden Smith. And he came out and like he did one practice round. The guy in the background was like, you want to try again? He's like... I've done this before. And he gets out there and just, like, fire. Brings the whole thing. You're like, you have done this before! <laughs> You're just so excited. And the whole thing is, like, flawless. Because you forget, like, that was how he started. Right. Was as a rapper. And it's like, all of us losers just are just chills. over here just like, oh, yeah, I guess he did that, too. <laughs> so it was just it was just really cool. And I really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm going to have to subscribe. You got to check it out. It's it's some good stuff. I it's to, some good stuff. I need to get on board with this YouTube life. You you better. <laughs> we got plans, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's mine this week. All right, so give it to me straight. What are we talking about? <gasps> so today we're talking about preparing for presentations because, like we said at the very beginning. We just did Upstate Social Sessions. We talk about it a lot. But again, like, this is kind of a big deal for us. I feel like we we prepared appropriately. And I think that's what makes me proud of us and, and the way we did what we did. Not just that we did it and we really appreciated the invitation to present at the conference. And it was awesome. But I think in addition to just being there and having done it and, like, checked it off our, like, bucket list of things we want to do with... QS. It was the way we went about start to finish making it happen um, that I'm really excited for us about. Yeah, I think it was a new experience and a new challenge for us that Mm -hmm. we have done before in other avenues of our life, but to have it actually kind of be the first thing that we're conquering together. I've actually never really done a duo presentation. Same. Not or, like not, not anything. Like this. Yeah, it's like not in any way. I want to recall. I guess <laughs> like college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Terribleness. Like bumbling through things. So 
I think that in the, the essence of what we talk about all the time is that even though we've done this before, and I I can't even count how many times I've given a presentation yeah, at this point pro. in my life, but doing it around a different topic mm-hmm. or a topic that isn't related to the things that you talk about on a regular basis, that can be hard and scary because mm-hmm. there's all the unknowns of what's the audience going to say? What are they thinking about? Um, will I be prepared? Do I have to wing it? <laughs> I don't know. All those fun things. Um, Do I have to remember what it's like to be on stage again and talking about something that I might flub up on when you're accustomed to talking about things that you're super knowledgeable about? Right. So there's the added pressure of people listening to you and watching you while you're on stage. Um, But we wanted to make sure that we took the time today to share with you all about how to prepare for a presentation or a speech of some kind, because Mm -hmm. it is a necessary and valuable skill that you will use probably a lot. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, while we did, like, take the time to celebrate, we had our wine, we clinked some glasses for some bourbon, we had really good food, we celebrated with our friends... Um, it was just this like really great moment where then we get to like reflect on it. And Mm -hmm. hopefully everything that we talk about here is something that you all can kind of take with you, at least pieces of it, because we also recognize that everybody prepares differently. Um, But I also, as I was thinking that when I was prepping for this episode, I was like, yeah, everybody prepares differently, but think about the best speaker you've ever seen. Like, does it look like they're winging it? Does it look like like they are super experienced and all of these things very knowledgeable? Like that's not by accident that it looks so effortless. And I think that's what I keep coming back to is like, well, yes, everybody prepares differently. I think the way that we went about preparing is is something that everybody can can do. This doesn't take like the best speaker in the world to prepare the way that we did. It just takes time and intentional effort. And that's what we're really excited to share about today. Yeah. So um, are we ready to speak it, Queens? Let's do it. Let's get into it. America's biggest phobia is a fear of speaking in public. I've heard that. Did you know that? <laughs> I have heard that. And they're more afraid of that than death. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember learning that in my public speaking class. I was a communications major in col- college, college back in the day. Yes. Um, and I, I remember feeling the same way of like, this is my nightmare. And the reason why I ended up feeling more comfortable on stage was because I didn't think, I was like, everybody feels this way. Mm-hmm. From the get-go, it was a very, the way that they structured the course Everybody was put outside their comfort zone in the sense of we're all here for the same purpose and everybody is afraid of this. Mm -hmm. And if you mess up, we're going to tell you good things and we're going to tell you bad things and the things that you can work on. And so I think that if you haven't had a chance to take, like I know that there are courses out there, but I think that is something that will change the game of like how to get get you comfortable. But... It's time to get you outside of your head. Why should you be preparing for a speech? Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, being prepared is something that will help quell those fears. Yes, a thousand percent. <laughs> um, I think it keeps you focused and on task. And day of, that allows you to handle handle any issues. Like, I can't even begin to tell you how many times, like, there's been tech problems that had I been, like, trying to review my note cards in advance, right. I wouldn't have been able to handle those things with a calm essence of right. myself. Um, or obviously having a plan in place in case something like that comes up. Or just being like, I know how to wing it now that I don't have my slides because I'm not relying on them. Exactly. As I'm in, in front of this 100-person audience. Exactly. And that's such a good point. Is like that takes the guesswork out of what you're about to do is because you've prepared because you took the time and I'm a procrastinator like again to my very core I think I wait to the last minute on most things because I think the pressure makes me better and that's a lie I've been telling myself since elementary school probably um but this was the moment where I don't care how much of a procrastinator you are or how much better you think you do under that kind of pressure. Like, this isn't just, like, a test that you're taking. This isn't just, like, a cram session that you then go up and, like, even if you have presence and you are a good speaker, I think your audience is expecting a certain level of... um, 
presentation from you. And I think if you're not doing it for yourself or the person that you're presenting with, do it for them. (laughs) And because at the end of the day, the presentation you're about to give is not about you. It is, there are people there to see you and learn from you and understand what you already know. And you owe it to them to be as prepared as possible. And I think that's also just the best way to get comfortable it, with the material that you're sharing. Like to be able to sit with it in a way that you're like, I've I've practiced, I've rehearsed, I have, I know this stuff inside and out, and not just know it from the sense of like I do this all the time, so I can like regurgitate what I do, but deliver it in a way that pulls people in too. Um, there is this gap between like knowing the material that you're talking about and actually being able to present it to a group. Like those things don't always just come packaged deal. Um, and that is where the prep totally comes into play. And I just think, again, not a planner in any way, but prep is like, I watch people give speeches that blow my mind and you know, it's because they practiced Mm -hmm. and it's just awesome. And so in the essence of the least you can do and also where you start, create that outline. Yes. <laughs> this for me is my number one. Um, I Who's always, surprised by that? <laughs> oh, shocker. Uh, it, because it helps give the presentation structure. Um, because I kind of go with this, like, what am I expecting? Like, here's the topic that I've been asked to present on. Um what are the topic ideas that I have that fit within this? Are there themes that kind of come out? How can I cohesively bring about a lesson or share some knowledge with people that, you know, they might not have known before had I not provided this information? So when you're, when you're going about this, I think the process of actually brainstorming um, and figuring out how you can adjust the flow of what you're talking about, because, you know, a lot of times it's like you have an hour to talk or you have 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an outline, you don't have an assessment of like time markers for yourself of knowing, okay, if I talk about these five things, I can conquer this hour time frame. Right. Um, But I think it also helps you create the visual plan. Um, What images do you need? If there's video involved, what are the key points that you want the audience to take away as they're uh, sitting in front of you so attentively? Yep. And if you're creating an outline of what you're talking about, they are going to sit there attentively. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in that, um, as you're framing this outline, one of the things that I do that helps a lot is thinking about the questions that the audience might ask and how can you as the presenter or the speaker answer as many of them as possible in your speech within like the scope of the theme or the topic that you're covering. Right. Um, And so for me, that's what is the problem? Why is it a problem? And how are you going to solve it? Mm -hmm. And that really like frames the, I guess the bullseye of your discussion with the group. And I think In terms of the outline process, it at least gives you um, enough preparation. Like, if you do this an hour before your presentation, I recommend, like, maybe two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) At least a couple days. (laughs) Because I do know that there are people who are very comfortable speaking the way that they're, like, they're like, I know my stuff. Let me, but at least thinking about if someone's coming to my presentation or if I were walking into the door and I were watching my presentation, myself on stage right now, what do I want to hear? Because I think that's the shift that you have to have in your brain of like, this isn't about you and what you know. It's about the audience and what they want to learn from you. And so you kind of have to put yourself in a teacher mode. Right. Absolutely. And it, it forces you to work backwards and like by, by starting with what the audience is looking for and working backwards to them, what you will provide them with that outline, like that is covering all of your bases every step of the way. And the outline is the organizational tool that you can put together. I am a big believer in note cards or doing whatever you need to do. Um, I don't necessarily agree with like writing everything outward for word because I think that takes away some of like 
like the improv of it. Um, but that's again where the practice comes into play, which we'll get into later. But the organization of the outline is what I really like about it. And I think for us, when we did our presentation, we're used to working off of an outline for when we prep for our episodes. Um, so it was an easier transition, I think, for us to go from like, you know, we, we use this structure like every week on a very regular basis, but even going from like podcast outline structure to presentation outline structure was tweaked and mm-hmm. it had to be different because again, when you're asking yourself what the audience is going to ask those three major questions, um, that doesn't always look the same. It doesn't, it's not going to like just transfer over from, you know, one type of presentation to the next. Um, so it's not like a drag and drop or a plug and play kind of a thing. I think, it, you know, some people do this kind of work all the time, but I think it's like, I think I heard Beyonce say once <laughs> because I listen to her and everything she tells me um, that, you know, she wasn't nervous every time she went on stage and like, where is the magic? And like, why is she working so hard for something that she doesn't feel super strongly about? And so when you create that outline, it's it's starting again at this point where like, I'm excited to share this information with my audience. What is it that they're going to want to know? And how do I organize it in a way that is digestible for them? Yeah. So um, I think I would love at some point to not have to use an outline as an aid. I also like we had them with us up in the front of the room. Um, and I think that's totally okay. I will get into later my pet peeves around presentations and aids. Um, but I think having a piece of paper out there with you as a guide doesn't take away from the fact that you had to practice and rehearse, but it is there as like a reference piece. And I think that that is totally okay. And at some point I would love to get to the point where I don't need something like that. Um, When we do this presentation a couple more times, we'll get there. I think maybe even next time. That's a goal. Like that's a, and that's a great goal. And I think, Again, I don't think it was distracting to have it, but, you know, it's like that thing that you want to work toward, too. So you have the outline in your head, even if it's not in your hand. That structure started somewhere. Right. And I think I know you mentioned you're not one for having everything written out. Mm -hmm. I will be an advocate for the script, Mm -hmm. but more appropriately for those moments when you're telling a story or needing to know all of the information. So it's kind of like you're on stage and you don't have, there's like not a scenario where it's appropriate for you to have notes. But I think in some of my past situations, um, there has been an appropriate time where it's like, you need to have, these are very important things that you need to make Make sure sure you, you say. Right. So having a script for those that you get comfortable enough, which we'll share shortly of like things that you can do to make things more comfortable i think having what you want to say written out so that you can practice like an actor yeah (laughs) like an actor you're right yes (laughs) i think that can be um very helpful if you're the type of person that is going to be on stage maybe doing a ted talk or something totally and i think like and like you said we did have a fair amount written out on ours but i guess i was like more in reference mode because we had done a fair amount of practice for it that it didn't feel like everything was written word for word but now that I'm thinking about it probably more than I usually would like to be it was written but it didn't take away from what we were doing I had a Mm one-sheeter that just had the slides and the key points like right I was just glad I didn't drop my pages because I had three separate pages. Oh, that that happened during um, my sister's graduating year, the valedictorian. Oh, and then they all get out of order. Like, you should always write in the corner, if you were this person, always write the sequence in the corner because that will happen to you and it will be bad. (laughs) Especially if you've got a lot of pages. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So next, design that framework of what you actually want for the visuals behind you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from a tech standpoint, my thoughts are to keep it simple, mostly because I'm putting all of my energy into what I'm saying to you versus what I'm showing you. (laughs) Yes, but and that's that's the right way in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, at least we're in agreement on that. (laughs) Um, So I'm more of like a visual person um, to pair with the discussion that I'm having with the audience. Um, so at least there's something that people can follow and then like the key bullet points mm-hmm. of this is what you need to know, write it down, 
take a take a screenshot with your photo while we're presenting. Right. I love that that's a new thing that people do. And I think it's effective. I never was like down for that, but then I was like this makes so much sense. It's so much you're you're getting a quick pick and then you're back to listening to what the person's saying versus like furiously writing notes and missing all of it. <laughs> makes so much more sense. Especially if it's something like follow this link or like here's our email right right exactly (laughs) um so i think that that's something especially in terms of the discussion of what you're putting on behind you you don't you want it to support what you're saying and not be everything everything that you're saying (laughs) it's an easy trap to fall into so my faves i love google slides um, because I'm a Google Drive user. Same. And so it's just easy to work in the same system with oh, everything. I get that. Um, but Canva is also really great because they have a bunch of free and really beautiful themes that you can work from or layouts for presentations. The only downside with that is that when you can't like export as like Google Slides or something, oh. you it'll download as a PDF or JPEGs. Oh. So... Or PNGs, like if we're getting technical, an image file. (laughs) So, what I actually did recently for the presentation we did, because I built I built the framework. You did, and um, which was surprisingly fun for me. Not fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why. Um, But I downloaded downloaded them as images so that we could have it would be easier for us to click through the slides. And so I downloaded them as images and then insert them on blank slides in Google Slides. Wow. Yeah. It took literally two seconds. Okay. It sounded like it was a large undertaking. No. It's good to know that it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. So I just like zoomed them out to be the appropriate, they match the size of the slide. So the images that I created in Canva were, and I was like, I hope the image quality looks the same when it's like on a giant screen. And it did. Fun fact, it does look great. It did look great. And that screen was huge. Yeah, it was big. It was big. Um, So yeah, I would say like, I, I live in the Google Slides Canva world. Obviously, if you're working for a company, make sure to check with your PR department or your creative department. There's usually a template right. that they use. And so, they want you to use it. Yeah. It's like not a like if or not to do. It is a definitely do. <laughs> yeah. So definitely follow, follow those gu- guidelines. I've also tried this one and a lot of people are super into it. It's not my fave, but I'm throwing it out there. Prezi. It's not my favorite either. Mostly because the presentations I've seen it be used, they are they mess up. Either the presenter or Prezi itself just doesn't flow for me. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a creative person, go maybe tr- test her out. But yes. I was encouraged to use it for a presentation in my past work life. And I was like, I'm getting dizzy. Right. It like flows in and out. Like it's big and small and it like flips around. I don't, I'm not. For me, it's not like, I think the, the difficult thing is like, okay, what are, what is the theme of the discussion that you're having? And how are these visuals going to help you? If this is strictly images, awesome. Use only images. Right. Or like only have three slides, but like let the slides say the like four important things that you need to say absolutely and then you say all the rest right that's a big seth godin thing i'm a huge seth godin fan and he will tell you skip visuals if at all possible and if you can't skip them don't have words on them like you are there in like his whole thing is like if it can be a phone call why are you having a meeting and if it can be an email then why are you calling me and his his tactic and his way is like condensed and direct but impactful so if you are taking the time to do a presentation and again if people are taking the time to come see you everything that they're getting should come directly from you Mm -hmm. and i am not there yet but again like a place that i think we both aspire to be and i really value that kind of information because like you said like it doesn't have to be a 12 slide deck it can be like three impactful slides that have your major points in visuals behind you but people are still fully tuned in 
to what you're saying because the moment you put words on there, and this can happen too, and this is totally fine, but if words are on there, people are looking at the words, reading the words, writing the words down, and they've missed everything that you just said. So thinking about all of those things as you're throwing your presentation together really, like, really can make or break what information you're sharing and how you're sharing it. Um, Some other, uh, like, tools that I've seen and we'll have a link to this and these I like kind of did a quick like I went through them and they looked kind of like the Prezi Canva type of thing but they like looked highly recommended but Visme, Emaze, and Genially. Alrighty. And so we'll share those. Those were like of the I think 10 that were shared on this list those looked like really um they could enhance your presentation. And that's my favorite thing about a presentation. I've gone to, there's a woman named Lynn Wester who is a a fundraising person and she gives the best presentations I have ever seen apart from Seth Godin. And it's because her visuals flow so well with what she's saying. It's like her clicker is just down by her, her leg and she's walking around and it's like, it's just so well done and everything goes together. There are words on her slides but they're not things that you're like writing down Mm -hmm. you're like just so enthralled with what she's saying and she does this all the time it's her full-time job but it just everything just comes together for that and that's like the best thing about a visual it should only support you as the speaker because you are the reason people are there they're not there for the powerpoint that's my two cents boom got them um what's next braun don't practice Rehearse, Yes. As shared by the wise folks at the TED organization. They know what they're talking about when it comes to presentations. Seriously. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So, fun fact, according to research, what you say isn't nearly as important as how you say it. What? Boom. (laughs) Mic drop, but not not really, because they're listening to you. So they say that effective presentations are 38% your voice. Wow. 55% nonverbal communication. Wow. Are you comfy up there? (laughs) I don't know. Are you fidgety? 7% your content. That's terrifying. That's under 10%. Is it? (laughs) Is it, though? That's like... Tiny. That's a very small amount. In in the pie chart of people listening to you. (laughs) Yeah. So you should really spend a lot of time on the actual preparation for the delivery of what you're sharing in front of the audience. Yes. I, um, I totally agree. I think that if you are the smartest person in the world and you have all this great information but your delivery like absolutely sucked then that's all people just saw was the delivery they've missed what you said they've missed the information that you've shared and they're walking away with with just you up there kind of flailing versus you having this super strong delivery and like correct me if i'm wrong ron but like that is hand movement that is like lack or intentional like fidgeting of any kind like it's hand motiony things it's how you pace if you pace if you sway like all of those things in my mind in addition to the voice that you're using mm-hmm. go into what that delivery is being like kind of taken in by the audience as is that correct 100% yeah are you standing are you sitting is your foot jiggling? Because you don't want to do anything or like wearing a lot of jewelry that mm-hmm. jangles. Like think about, you have to fully rehearse your experience so that you know like, oh, these are things that might be roadblocks to people paying attention to the things I'm saying to them. Right. And I think even when I was like, when I was talking for ours, like I get really handsy, but I was not as aware as I should have been that there was paper in my hand. Mm-hmm. So like, well, handsy might not be so bad, like flailing papers all over the place and that noise can be very distracting. So like really being aware of all of those things and realizing that the delivery is it from these percentages more important. (laughs) The one thing, if we're talking about things to pay attention to, this is a huge pet peeve for me. And I, I don't know if it's only me paying attention to this, but it drives me in Sane got it is when someone's holding the mic in their oh. in their hand and they and they use that that those fingers oh to gesture things so they're holding the mic and 
like as they're talking. So instead of using their free hand to make a hand gesture or like point, they use that mic hand because mm-hmm. they're like not comfortable holding the mic and not using that hand right. to gesture. Right. So. You know, I thought you were going to say, this is what bugs me, is when someone's using a mic and they keep missing their mouth because they're moving their hand so much. Yeah, don't do that But the mic, like, is like... Yeah, you want to hold... If there's any tip that we have as podcasters, (laughs) you want to have the mic right in front of your face. Right. And leave it there. Or, like, get some knowledge on what kind of mic you've got. Like, if you've got a boom mic that can, like, pick up sound no matter what you're doing, that's fine. But, like, test that baby out because sometimes you got to have lips on it or else it doesn't pick up anything that you're doing. So. Can you hear me? Just. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Know what you're working with. Piece of advice. So, uh, when you're running through your presentation, you become more comfortable with the material. And that makes it easier for your audience to connect with you. Mm Mm-hmm. How does Simple. that not sound great? Right. Right. <laughs> um, so it helps you slow down. You engage more with the audience. You have more eye contact. So you're understanding, like, this is resonating with them. This is not resonating with them. Um, and I think that that process also, once you're in this mode of feeling comfortable, you can make a joke. You can add some anecdotes that maybe weren't necessarily thrown into the experience uh, that as you were preparing mm-hmm. but now that you're on stage it's appropriate and timely mm-hmm. so i think um when you're doing this practice round standing and presenting as if you would be on stage in front of your audience yeah that's the one thing that i think has helped me feel the most comfortable is like if you're going to be standing in front of a conference room or like on a giant stage or are you sitting like maybe if you get nervous about these things asking very specific questions about what what's the environment going to be like right um because i was actually i had no idea what the theater like i was thinking it was more of a theater than it was what it was yes and so people were all sitting in chairs instead of in like kind of like stadium style yeah like theater seating what's that word graded back radiant (laughs) and so i feel like it just gives you a different vibe for the room and the people Mm -hmm. um or like more comfortable because it's not as big right um but those are good questions to ask having questions at hand and then being able to take that experience of memorizing those key points that you've outlined having your outline with you as you're preparing and then getting a feel for what it actually sounds like, how you're delivering what you're saying is really important. Yeah. I think it also gives you a really good idea of what needs to be added mm-hmm. or cut from the presentation. Sometimes you realize like this makes zero sense right. and I don't know why it's even included. Exactly. Um, because again, you're not telling your whole life story. You're sharing a very specific piece of knowledge that helps people in their life yes. somehow in some way or delivers information that they need to know. Um, I also have heard, I've never technically done this, but recording yourself um, on video or practicing in front of a mirror so that you can ensure your posture and gestures are on point and you're not doing weird hand mic things. Yeah. I think we used to have to, for my um, college and high school um, public speaking class, they used to record us and it was awful. I really hated it, but it was super telling it's the same reason you look at film if you play a sport it's like you're just going back and looking at you know what could i have done differently what do i want to keep in and how do i it's and again like going back to those percentages it's not just about like the information that you're sharing but the way that you're sharing it and so by doing something in front of a mirror while we practiced together like a handful of times we both practice solo mm-hmm. and I know I practice in front of someone I know you practice in front of someone else I think it would have been even more helpful at least for me to do that in front of a mirror to just really see what it looked like and not just be thinking about the words I was saying how I was saying them was I like speaking slowly enough what did my, my hand gestures look like but like how was my posture? And that was a thing I didn't think about until, you know, like we're talking about this right now. Um, And that is another huge piece of like what makes something like this successful is taking the time to look at every single facet of it, both from the information sharing standpoint and like who you are and how you operate on a stage or in like a sitting room in front of other people. So I think those are all very good points. 
Um, super unpopular opinion. I've seen people do this a million times and I really hate it. Um, I don't like when people use their phone for a presentation or a speaking opportunity. It bothers the crap As out of As their, me. like, note cards? Yes. Like, instead of paper, instead of note cards. Like, I'd rather you have a poster in your hand instead of your phone. <laughs> because I think... Like, we are conditioned to see phones as a distraction now, and I very much am on that page. I hate when people have them out at dinner. I am instantly taken out of whatever you want me to be paying attention to. I see how it can be valuable for people. But then, like, do you really want to rely on something that could die on you? (laughs) Do you really want to rely on something that, like, for whatever reason could blitz out and not work? And so, like, in addition to the fact that I find it really distracting, and, like, you're doing the scroll motion as you're going through your speech that's really distracting because i'm like are they on instagram like what are we here for why am i paying attention to this person so it's like it's just i it brings me like tears when i see people do this because i'm like you can do better you're better than this because i'm like i've seen you speak before i know you as as a human you're a perfectly lovely person but you don't respect your audience enough to give us the like I don't know if it's like respect or just the information in a way that takes all distraction out of the room. Um, I know paper can be distracting, but like thinking about someone with a phone in their hand and scrolling through that thing, looking at their nose and like that print is small. How do you see that? (laughs) That's not possible. I wear glasses and I would not recommend doing that. Yes. Yeah. So to myself, that is my stance on phones. And if you're writing out your notes on note cards, that helps you remember the content better. Yes. Proven. Absolutely. You're right. Somebody actually, in my first class of my first semester in grad school, when I was really jazzed, and I was very excited to be there, and I felt very prepared as a new student back in the classroom, my professor, I pull up my laptop because I'm a professional and I am ready to take some notes. And we watched a short video on how typing on your laptop is not nearly as like helps you remember what you're talking about as writing down notes do. Yeah. And I just ever so carefully slid my laptop, put the, the top down and put it back in my bag. <laughs> and I was quite embarrassed. <laughs> but yep. it's true. It's true. It helps you remember everything much, much better. There's a Freakonomics episode on that, and I'll link to it in show notes because it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I bet it does because it works. Um, so just one more thing. Again, Seth Godin, someone that I think is like a phenomenal presenter and not because he's got a big booming voice like Tony Robbins or like Oprah or anything, but he's just so prepared and he knows the information and he is his voice and like inflection and levels just always pull you right in um and he shared a a few tips on a blog that we'll share in the show notes um but the one that i really like is the discipline and this is again where that rehearsal comes into play like do do the right thing (laughs) have discipline know that you you are worth taking that time to give your audience the best version of what you have to share. And that takes serious discipline. There are a couple others that we'll share too, but that one was like the standout for me. Yeah. I think to that point, think about the best speaker you've ever seen in your life and how they made it look easy. Yeah. Behind that ease is probably about 90 hours worth of time and energy and effort that went into preparing for it. Right. Right. So. So take the time. I think, like, that's that's what I feel like in addition to what we learned at the conference, which was a super um, well-put-together conference by the team, um, and it shared a lot of information about social media and in and, and different areas of it. I think we both love learn that we love presenting, and we really enjoy doing when we want to do more of this. But all of these things that we've talked about are things that everybody can do, and these are things that just take that much more effort um, to just put on a really powerful presentation that really um, brings people on the story with you and, and makes them a part of it. And that's a powerful thing. I'm ready for more of it. Yeah. Bring, bring me on stage. Let us know if you need us, guys. Yeah. We're ready. Shall we break? Let's break. 
feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.